Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Hallie Borenstein, CEO of Early DTC Player Reformation. The sustainability-focused fashion brand is well-known for its wedding-perfect dresses, but it's recently been in growth mode, adding product categories including activewear and shoes. I wanted to ask Hallie about Reformation's expansion plans, even beyond product, and about the obstacles it's faced as it's attempted growth amid a pandemic. Welcome, Hallie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Talk to me. I was just talking with our producer, Ben, about the the state of the world and how um, dealing with we're, we're recording um, amid, um, amid the war, I guess. I Hopefully not the start of a war. But anyway, just this is a little off topic, but I'm just like talking about how I'm speaking with my team and making sure everyone's okay. Has this been a a challenge in-house? How are you making sure, I guess, your team is comfortable and coming to work and not, I don't know, it's a stressful time. How are you dealing with it? It is definitely a stressful time. I think uh, if any of us knew what what was going to happen, let's say February 2020, if any of us knew what the world was going to look like, we would not have believed it, right? So I think our role as as an organization, a team, and my role in particular as a leader has really been to to be on my toes and and people first. Um, you know, I think the last two years we've changed our focus to be much more outwardly focused on the people element of our business. Everything from how our product is made to our team who comes in every single day or they're on Zoom or they're in our stores, right? Like there's just so many different ways that people are contributing to reformation and our ultimate success. And so I think, um, you know, our role as leaders right now is to make sure we're really asking people, how are you doing? How can we best support you? And, you know, whether it be a pandemic or, um, a new war raging in the other side of the of the world. Like these are all real things that impact our ability to come to work and, and show up and do our best. And just I think being human about it and putting that first is something we've all had to learn and, and evolve over the last two years. Yes. I feel like you in particular had your work cut out for you taking on this role in mid-2020, um, kind of thrown into the mix. Obviously, I almost feel like you had something to prove in saying you know, we're a stand-up company. Um, we're not, um, you know, there were allegations like exclusionary or um, even racist. And I feel like you had to come through with like a strong front. Um, did that mean inclu- hiring the, the right people? Did it mean putting the right, um, I guess, policies in place? Like, how did you even approach that, I guess? I think it's about doing all of it, right? It's all about doing the work first and foremost. Like every day, I come to work and think about the team first, first, like what can I do to put the right environment in place and how do I make sure um, our team is safe in a global pandemic? Uh, so, you know, we, we really set out to look at all of the different environments and policies and um, leaders that we have at the company and, and make sure each person was fully supported um, across a very comprehensive um, approach, right? Like you can't just do it in one way because it feels inauthentic. I think, you know, the other thing I'd say is just being really transparent with our team um, was kind of how I defined my approach to, to taking on this role. You know, as you said, 2020 was a really hard year to, to navigate. And so 
I don't have all the answers. I don't think any of us do, right? So by being able to say, hey guys, here's how I'm thinking about it. Here's a decision we made and why. Here's when we did something really well and here's when we, we did it. Um, and that can be whether it's internal, it could be a, a business initiative, it could be, um, frankly, a consumer-facing you know, marketing decision, right? But that accountability and that transparency, I think, really resonates with with individuals. And so that's been probably a defining characteristic of how I've, I've tried to approach um, these last two, two years. Yeah. Were there other, I guess, changes to the leadership team other than your, your own position? Um, yeah. How, what does that look like now, your leadership? Um, and how has that evolved? You know, the business is doing, doing really well. And so we've um, accelerated growth. We're hiring like crazy. Uh, and so that means on the leadership team too, making sure we have great leaders who have both expertise in different parts of the business, but really the right passion and commitment to our mission and to our people-focused mentality. So we've brought on lots of um, new faces. We've promoted faces or individuals who've been with us for a long time, um, and you know they, they're taking on more responsibility. And so, yeah, you know, I'd say our our dynamic is definitely evolving. Um, as we grow, but I think that's part of the the fun of it, making sure we have the the right expertise and team in place to to meet all of the challenges and opportunities that are before us. Yeah, is there anything specific to making sure everybody, I guess, feels welcome and and that you are taking? I guess, like for instance, at Digiday Media, we've 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 implemented some things that we haven't had in the past, like diversity, equity, and inclusion board, and um, weekly meetings. And yeah, what are you guys doing? I guess specifically. We start off with communication. So we're doing, um, you know, we have every other week, all hands. Um, we have all hands in our factory, a distribution center, um, different communication channels for our retail team. So we're really trying to just amp the communication so everyone knows what's going on. We move so quickly. And sometimes we just need to slow down and, and make sure everyone has alignment and we're on the same page. So that's been a huge point. Um, we're doing a lot more listening sessions as well and have uh, more opportunities for individuals to kind of raise their hand and share feedback. So it's not just a one-way communication path, but that two-way I think is really critical. The second thing I'd say is training and um, investment into different opportunities. So we have a lot of DE&I work going on throughout the organization. It could be training. It could be um, celebration. It can be... Um, really just making sure we're, we're, so we're our, all of our business practices, like recruiting, for example, are really best in class. Um, and so that's been a, a big work stream that we've focused on. But with D&I in particular, I'd say it's not something where you just like rip a Band-Aid or check a box, right? Like it's a long journey of work and we are on that journey. We are very committed and putting a lot of time there, but we are, every day we get, better and better. And that's the kind of progress I want to see. Um, and then I'd say the, the last piece is really just about making sure we have the um, learning and opportunities for growth. When you're in such a fast-paced organization like Reformation growing so quickly, the team knows they're on a winning team, but they also want to understand how do I win with Reformation? And so it's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that we make that path really clear and we provide the the capabilities and the skill building opportunities so that every single person at REF can feel like they can be on a on the winning path with us. That's awesome. Do you put specific goals around it like you would sustainability? I know that's a, a 
thing that <laughs> a lot of fashion brands are doing. And I mean, you guys are tracking your sustainability very well. But um, anyway, are there specific goals around it like you like you do in that way? Um, we definitely do have specific goals across different things like training, for example. What percentage of the team has different trainings? Um, we look at retention. We look at, um, we now have a survey for quarterly survey on engagement. So we can really look at our different teams and where their hotspots are, how people are feeling. So we use data to definitely support this. Um, but I'd say when I think about goals on the people front, it's very much focused on progress versus an end goal. Um, that's definitely, I mean, you can read tons of literature about that. There's different perspectives on it. Our philosophy has been like, let's just keep moving forward. Let's keep improving our data, whether it be engagement scores, representation data, training. Um, we're not perfect by any means, but as long as we're seeing progress every single day and our team feels it, then I feel like we're doing the right thing. Right on. Let's talk about, um, I mentioned sustainability. Let's talk about all that you're doing there. Um, you're, you've got a lot of um, innovative plans in place. And first of all, I already, I had not even heard of something that you're doing called traceability tech. Does that have to do with sustainability? What's happening there? It feels very um, forward. Yes. Traceability is a big part of what we are doing. Um, so we're, we really want to make sure that we have full control and um, understanding of where our product comes from. And so for the last couple of years, we've been really good at tier one, tier two, like where do we manufacture product and where are the materials being dyed and knitted and so forth. So we have 100% traceability in those areas, but we want to go deeper. We want to be able to understand um, the actual, where's that fiber coming from? And then ultimately, what is the the farm it's coming from? And how are these um, products being uh, and made from the from day one, really. And so what we did in 2021 was we partnered with some really incredible organizations who are at the forefront of technology and um, traceability in the uh, in the apparel space in particular. So one thing you're probably thinking about that you read was Fiber Trace. Um, we partnered with them. They're an Australian organization. And really what it does is we can, in some of our denim and most of our denim now, there's a a fiber in it that we can scan and you actually can see what farm it came from and what are the principles and business practices used in that farm. Um, we did something similar with regenerative wool in the fall um, with a group called Nativa. And so a lot of where our focus is, is how do we make sure we're using this incredible evolution and te technology we're going on? Um, how do we take that those learnings and apply it to our business practices to have as much control and make sure that we're doing the right things day in and day out? Tell me about your customer. What does she want to know from you in terms of sustainability? Are you leading with that in your marketing? Or, I mean, is it more about <laughs> it? That, that's still like it is for most brands. That's that's a, the icing on the cake. Uh, the shopper's leading with style. When I joined Ref in 2014, we would put up posts on social media um, about sustainability. And they were not highly engaged in Today, when we put up a post, it is some of our most engaged with posts. The consumer has really changed and without a doubt, this period of, of the pandemic has even put into the forefront of the minds of our consumers um, how important sustainability is and, and the way in which things are made is really critical. So we're leading with sustainability more so than we ever have. Still though, you got to make good product, right? Like it's great to be sustainable, but if the product's not there, customers aren't going to make that trade-off. They need both. And so I think that what we're working on is 
continuing to make incredible product. We want to talk about that product specific to, to the, whether it be shoes or jeans, like we want to talk about just great product, but then also make sure customers understand the implications of their decision, um, why this is a made differently. In my opinion, fashion is still in the early stages of sustainability, right? You look at this evolution of other industries like food services, they've, they've come a long way or even electric cars. Everyone kind of intuitively knows why an electric car is better for the environment, right? With a, apparel, that's not as obvious. And so I think part of what we're doing is helping to educate consumers on this journey. And so our, we're, it's kind of a, a combo. you got to do both. Yes. Well, it seems like you're launch, rolling out new categories all the time, but I think that <laughs> I, it's just more um, eye-catching because I'm so used to like knowing reformation, not just dresses, denim. You've grown this great reputation for great denim as well. Um, but yeah, what's the cadence here and what's ideal in terms of new categories? New categories are really fun because um, now I have more rough product for my for like my wardrobe. I'm wearing our jeans and our sweaters right now. Those are two of our big uh, growth categories and obviously our shoes. So we don't have a specific cadence. What we tend to do is we ask the consumer, what do you want to see from us? Where are you looking um, for sustainable product that you can't find otherwise? What do you think Reformation would make really wonderful? Like what types of product would be great for um, coming from us? And so we asked the customer first and foremost, that's where shoes came from. They loud and clear told us we want ref shoes. It takes us a while to get into a category because if we wanted to just do it like anyone else, we, we could, we can go quickly. Given our sustainability principles, we have to really build a supply chain bottoms up. And so for shoes, for example, when we launched uh, last year, we had been working on building the supply chain for almost a year. And arguably today, I'd say it's the most sustainable dress shoe out there, but it took a lot of work for us to figure that out, whether it be from um, how we think about the materials, how do we think about the labor, and there's so many components in a shoe. Same thing that goes when we launched Active, we did not just kind of take material that was out there. We had to develop materials that really hit the standards that we were hoping for from an impact point of view. And that was really challenging. So it takes us a bit longer and we go slower. But when we do it, we really want to be focused on making sure we never compromise our values. To what extent are you owning that, I guess, supply chain? Where is production happening? We produce across three continents. Um, so we're in North America, um, predominantly the U.S., and that's kind of where we started. Um, we have Asian uh, manufacturing and European manufacturing. And so a lot of the fact that we are so distributed actually was a real advantage to us in the last couple of years because it helps us balance risk. Um, we In the U.S., we have our own factory that produces about 10% of our, our units, um, and that has been really helpful as well because we're able to react really quickly to the customer, especially as things are evolving all the time these days. So that's been really great. You're launching new categories, so that plays into it. But I would think that pre-pandemic, maybe dresses were a huge percentage of your sales. Weddings ceased to exist. <laughs> it's not all wedding dresses. But yeah, I would think people weren't buying dresses like they used to. Um, did that change, that balance change in terms of the breakdown of your sales? For sure. We, we definitely saw um, the customer change their, their purchasing behavior during the pandemic. Um, we saw a lot more uh, loungewear like everyone else. And we saw um, a lot more separates, almost like that Zoom top, mm. right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but today, I think what we're seeing, and this is something that's you know a good evolution of our business, 
dresses are still really important. People are buying dresses again, um, both casual dresses, work dresses, bridal dresses. We have it all. So not just bridal there. Um, but we also are seeing a bigger diversification of our assortment. So shoes have been a big portion of our business. Um, denim is really growing. Tops are growing. So I'm really excited to see that Reformation is a destination for a lot of different types of product and the different parts of your life and occasions versus you know, maybe a couple of years ago, it was more, you thought of us more for occasion. For sure. You mentioned hearing from the shopper about the, the categories that they want. Tell me about this community and, and where you're interacting with the shopper on, on the day-to-day. So yeah, we really think it's important to have like a very open, authentic dialogue with the customer. Um, and we do that through so many different channels, whether it be social media, surveys, direct um, communication with our customer love team or, or our 25 stores. Um, we take that feedback and we really integrate it into our decision making. This is something internally that we're actually really focused on for 2022 is how do we even take the customer voice and put it at the center of our decision making more so than before? So we have all these different disaggregated touch points that we bring together, but then how do we make sure it's a core driver of decision-making so that we're always evolving with our customer? I think this is something where DTC brands, because we own that direct feedback loop, right? Um, We have an advantage in that it's not just us making, producing something and telling customers, this is what you should like. Now they can tell us what they like and we can be really responsive to their needs and and what's going on. And I think that's something that um, it's a muscle we have and that we really need to keep making stronger and stronger as as we go on. Well, DTC, um, you have stores as well as your online channel Um, selling through Nordstrom still. Are there other wholesale partners? Yeah. What's I guess the, the sales channel breakdown right now? We're still vast majority of our business is DTC between online and stores. We have a couple key partnerships that we we work with third parties, and mostly the focus is on brand awareness and making sure we're meeting new types of customers. In particular, international is a huge part of what we do. Um, and so we've used some of our wholesale partners who are really meaning have big, meaningful presences in, in international markets to help increase our brand awareness. Ultimately, our our mission is to bring sustainability to everyone and sustainable products. And so when it makes sense for us to really get our message out there, we're very open to using new types of partnerships to help us do that. That's sustainability. Circularity, is is that something where you're launching like recycling programs? And is that, I guess, hard to do through a retail partner? Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. I was yeah. like, tell me you've cracked the code because I'm hearing this left and right. <laughs> no, it's definitely hard. Um, we we do have great partnerships. Like we have a partnership with ThreadUp. Um, so we, you think about circularity, there's kind of three things you can do. You can um, rewear. So if you have something, you just need to repair it, clean it, but you keep going with it. You still love it. Um, you can resell, right? You can say, hey, you know, I'm good with it, but I'm going to go have someone else have given it it's a brand new life. And that's something like our partnership with ThreadUp, which really supports that. And then there's this new area that we're, we're actually launching today. So it's great timing. So it's about recycling. Um, and what we're doing there is we've built a partnership with a third party called Super um, Circle. They're amazing. And we are giving customers credit for them to send back their product to us and we will recycle it for that. 
for them. So it could be your shoes or it could be your denim, um, but we will make sure it's, it's recycled so that the fiber itself can have another life. That's amazing. How cool. Well, resale definitely gained traction in the last couple of years. Tell me about rental, because I do think that I've seen uh, Reformation maybe at Rent the Runway. I, I think. Anyway, is rental an area that you're you're consider or you're still playing in? We definitely did a, a partnership with Rent uh, Rent the Runway probably in 2018, maybe a little bit in 2019. Um, we haven't been working with them recently. Just pandemic, lots of things happen. No reason in particular. Yes. They're wonderful. Um, and, you know, really think highly of their business. Um, there's right now it's not on the roadmap for ref, but there's also just so many th- ways you could go in. And part of our role, I think as leaders is to make sure we're focused on the most important things. Um, and with the business growing as quickly, we're just really focused on making on the top priorities right now. So rental, although super interesting, probably not Ref rental not coming to us anytime soon. <laughs> yes. Well, outside of leadership, tell me what that growth means and category expansion. Are you hiring more so on like the design team? Is it more so on the tech team? Um, yeah. What else is happening in in-house to to make a go of it? I can honestly tell you it's across the board. So if you go look at our, our career site right now, you're going to see everywhere from finance to um our supply chain team, our production team, right? There's a lot. We have an international team now. We have a, a team sitting in the UK that's brand new for us. We have a team member in Canada. So the business is really evolving um, quickly. And, and so we need to make sure we have the right resources and great team members to, to help support all of that growth. And so across the board, everywhere from design, finance, tech, we are looking for, for passionate, committed team members um, to help join the journey. Are you hiring ahead of Metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? It's already the coming. <laughs> it's a trending out there. But beyond the U.S., what is um, your largest market? Our largest market is Europe. So we, we really, the brand resonates really well globally. Um, in particular, you think about areas where sustainability, the conversation around sustainability is kind of more evolved. And Europe has been talking about it for a while and COVID for sure just um, accelerated that conversation there. So what we find is what part even more so than in the U.S., you see that um, customers are attracted to reformation because of the impact we have and the mission we have. And so that really builds um, great awareness on the ground very organically. I want to circle back to, to marketing because I've just – I. Get I follow you guys on Instagram and I think it's so fun. <laughs> I know there's been buzz out there about like your voice and some of your captions. And um, anyway, it, it attracts attention because it's not the expected like wear this to your next party. Tell me about the voice and maybe how that's evolved and who the girl you're speaking to and how you're relating to her in, in marketing. Um, yeah, outside of we we discussed the imagery. For sure. Um you know, we always say internally, be a friend. So when we're talking to our customer, it's about the same way. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to my friend from, from undergrad, right? I'm going to tell them, I'm not going to sit there and be like, you should buy this dress because I have too much inventory, right? Like that would be the opposite of our ethos. <laughs> Rather, we really want to talk about like, here are the really cool things that we're into and we're excited about and we want you to know about. Or here's something we did on the sustainability front that was exciting we want you to know about and conversely 
here's a way, a place where we fell down and we made a mistake, but let us just share it with you and be authentic. And um, I think that level of authenticity and intimacy is refreshing. You know, how many emails do you get in the morning? It's crazy how many emails we all get. And so making sure that ours feels different and more um, relevant, I think is uh, an area where we've been really focused um, since day one. And part of the, with sustainability in particular, it's just such a complex topic. And so in be, being able to distill it down to more understandable concepts for people who aren't doing this all day long, I think is actually really helpful for customers. Influencer strategy. I feel like it's a, it's a tough area these days in terms of who you align yourself with um, and who you don't. But are you are you going as hard as maybe you did in the past in 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 terms of influ- working with influencers? So we've actually always been pretty um, slower on the influencer side. So we've done a ton of gifting for a while. Gifting is always a fun way to make sure new people get to to see our product and we can introduce new people to the brand. Um, in terms of like a, an influencer program, we actually just started testing it the late late last year. And so we're still in the testing phase, trying to figure it out. Um, you know, it's definitely really important that it's not just about people talking about the brand from like a transactional standpoint, but we really want to make sure our sustainability, sustainability is at the forefront of what we're doing so that um, people who represent our brand also represent our values and the mission um, so that's a that's a big component of any kind of program we do, and we're still figuring it out. But more to come here. Yeah, are you guys playing on TikTok yet? Uh, in a little, in a figuring that out too. Um, it's definitely so different from Instagram in terms of what content resonates and what um, what doesn't. So I think we're we're constantly surprised every day. You know, one thing that's awesome about Ref is we just we make really fun content, and so. Regardless, we're just out there trying to make great content about our product, about general lifestyle, and um, kind of just laughing at ourselves a little bit too, right? Humor is so important, especially when everything around us is so serious. And so, and then where we we apply it, which platform we use, we're still figuring out to make sure we have the right content for each uh, outlet. For sure. Well, let's look ahead at 2022. First of all, how many stores are you up to right now? 25 stores. 25. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Break this down here. What markets are we focused on? Most of those are in the U.S., but we have um, two, going to be three or four in, in the U.K., and we have one and potentially more in Canada as well. Um, so yeah, retail has been a huge driver of our growth, and it's a really incredible way to meet customers. What do you know about your customer loyalty? I, I would assume that uh, you're probably seeing the same thing that other brands have told me in terms of you know those who shop in store or shop more online and all of that. But um, yeah, what do you know about their behavior and their loyalty? How often are they coming back? We definitely see a similar trend. If a consumer shops in the store and online, they're they're coming back way more often. Um, whether if they're only shopping online or only shopping in store, those channels are pretty equivalent. So we're happy for them to shop wherever they are. And so, you know, I think when you see these trends going on, um, what it says to me is we just need to make sure we are meeting the customer where they are. So that means more stores and making sure our site is as easy to shop as possible for everyone. And so that's kind of the work we're doing is to remove friction and make sure customers can come back and find what they're looking for or learn about sustainability and our values. Like all of that needs to be easy um, for customers. Where do you see opportunity now? We have lots of opportunity, lots of growth ahead. Um, so I'd say the, the one of the biggest things we're focused on is international. 
the brand does really resonate globally. Um, we're really fortunate about that. So we're trying to continue to expand with on the ground um, marketing and more team and channels and outlets um, across different markets. Europe is kind of on deck as the, the first focus area all across different markets in Europe. Uh, category expansion is certainly something you'll see more of from us in the coming years. You know, shoes launched last year. If you haven't tried them, you should. They are the best. I'm such a fan. Uh, and, you know, even within that category, there's a lot more we could be doing for different occasions and different times of year. So expansion within our categories as well as new categories as well uh, in addition. Did you say on the ground folks in, in the European market? Is that is that key uh, or are you... In some cases, working with an outside partner that is maybe tried and true or proven, proven effective. So we're still figuring it out. And I mean, I feel like you talk to so many brands, you're going to have the, the expertise here. But we're market by market. I think what we've learned is we really need to treat each market individually and figure out what works because the dynamics are different. The customer expectations are different. Currently, we've been on the direct model. We're kind of replicating this more approach of having our own team. But that won't work everywhere. And so as we're expanding, we're really thoughtful about getting to know the customer, getting to know other brands and how they have been successful. Um, and so we're tweaking our strategy to be as localized as possible in, in our marketing and our messaging so that um, it doesn't just feel like this one centric approach that we're just throwing across every every market. <laughs> For sure. Well, at the end of this year, 2022, um, I don't know, you'll be... Will you be exceeding 2019 levels? Will you, uh, what can you tell you about the state of the company and, and your projections for the year? We are projecting very robust growth, which would definitely be far above um, 2019 levels. Uh, so, you know, we're an organization that has always been very focused on good, sustainable growth um, while also maintaining you know, profitability and, and a healthy business so that we can kind of invest in ourselves and propel our own growth. And so nothing's changed there. 2020 certainly was not the easiest year to work through, but due to our incredible team, 2021 was a really standout year. And, you know, feel very confident that we have kind of the, the, right, um, the right initiatives in place, the right resources focused on making sure 2022 kind of continues in that same trajectory. That makes sense to me. Do you, first of all, are you working from home right now? I'm not. This <laughs> are you at home? Office. I've been going in for hey. a bit, and our team actually just went back to the office last week. Um, we are hybrid. We're half in, half out. We do have some teams that are designated remote now, and we do have a much more uh, dispersed team across the globe. Um, so it's not as uh, clear as it was prior, but we are we have welcomed our team safely back to our offices, and we're seeing really positive response about that. I think people missed each other. Yes, totally. Is that... I mean, a selling point for hires, like, do they want a hybrid? Are you finding that that's the new norm, I guess? There's definitely more flexibility than there ever was, for sure. And I think um, teams are expecting that. You know, reality is we make product. And so we have a distribution center, our factory, we have our stores. And so a lot of our work really does require in-person. And so we're just really thoughtful about building one singular community, which means that we do have to all be together in different environments um, at times, but uh, it's definitely much more complicated than it was in 2019. But hopefully, we're finding a solution that works for as many people as possible. 
Zoom life. <laughs> Are you guys doing everything on Zoom? Um, and yeah, is that just, again, the norm? Or it, what are your workarounds, I guess, in terms of making everybody feel um, ugh, connected, involved? I don't know. <laughs> I think it is hard. I'm hoping us being able to go back to the office will help um, keep people feeling close. Just the ability to go get a coffee with someone you haven't seen or not have to schedule. I think for me, the hardest thing is if you want to talk about something today, you have to like schedule a meeting versus walking over to someone and saying, Hey, can we look at this? Right. I think that that will be a, a big change. Um, we, you know, we, we definitely try to control the meeting proliferation, but I know zoom has definitely caused that. So we're going to try to scale it back a, a bit more and we're going to try to make sure that um, we continue these like centralized communication tools and platforms to, to continue to support the two-way dialogue because our teams are all over the, the globe and they're all working different hours and working on different things. So just making sure everyone has access to, to share their feedback and hear what's going on is hopefully the most important thing we can do to keep everyone together. Yeah, the most important. Would you say that's your biggest challenge right now or what else is weighing on your mind? Team is always going to be the most important thing, right? They're, they're the most, team is the reason why we are successful. Uh, we couldn't do it without our incredible team. And so making sure we have the right team and the right people and making sure that we're supporting them so that they could be their best every day they show up, um, that's huge. So that's definitely the most important thing on my mind. Uh, you know, it, I'd be crazy not to say that we are living in unprecedented times right now. So whether it be supply chain challenges, pandemic flaring up or um, global instability, like those are all issues that are very real that will continue to be things that we're thinking about because they do impact how our team shows up and they do impact how we um, solve problems and how we deliver our product. And so um, I'm also thinking about the things that I won't be able to predict um, and that are just going to pop up and how do we build a foundation that is super supported and agile that can can really uh, handle these obstacles when they pop up. For sure. And last question, you talked about profitability. Um, are you eyeing more is more fundraising necessary? Is that um, something that you're working on for 2022? Uh, yeah, where does that fall in your priorities? At this point, we're just looking to grow. I mean, our business is really successful, um, and we are we're really proud of the the financial structure we put together. So we are more than ever before just poised towards growth. Um, and accelerating that growth, whether it be through international or new categories, like that's the primary focus right now beyond anything else. Right on. Is men's a category coming? <laughs> Not today, but I do get that a lot. Um, I hear, hear it often, but we, we have work to do still in our current core, but I will stay tuned. I will keep you posted when, uh, when we make that, that jump. Watch this space. Oh my gosh. Well, Hallie, thank you so, so much. It was great to chat. So much fun chatting. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.